Emma Walton is a young contract milker in Taupiri, just north of Hamilton. She's trekked to Mount Everest Base Camp, she loves Olympic barbell lifting, she has a degree in social sciences, and she's the Dairy Women's Network Regional Leader for North Waikato. That's Emma now, but just a couple of years ago, she was barely surviving, living with severe depression, anxiety, and an eating disorder. Today's podcast is about how finding farming saved Emma's life. Those are her words. It's an amazing story of resilience and an encouragement that things can get better. You'll hear what she loves about dairy farming and why it's been central to her recovery. She also talks about how she copes with stress on the farm, including her traffic light system. She talks about her dreams and ambitions for the future as well. Also, to mark Mental Health Awareness Week, which is happening now, we ask dairy farmers to tell us how they keep themselves well and farming at their best. Make sure you listen to the end of this podcast to hear some of the great messages we received. Lastly, if this podcast raises any issues for you, please reach out for help. We've put links to some excellent support organisations like Rural Support Trust in the show notes. Let's hear from Emma. Emma, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. This is really cool of you. Tell us a bit about yourself first. Whereabouts are you farming, Emma? Um, so I'm farming in Telpri on a 300 cow farm with my partner, Jared. We're currently contract milking. This is our second season together. This is my second season altogether. I've only been farming for one season. So Jared's upper, he moved over from the Netherlands when he was in his 20s and he bought the farm, started the herd, and then his son, so Jared's dad, he bought the herd, bought the farm, and then did the same thing, built the herd up, built a new cow shed, extended the farm, and, you know, next it's Jared and I's turn, and hopefully, you know, it'll come soon where we can purchase the herd and then further down the line purchase the farm, and we've got we've got a lot of ideas for what we'd like to do with the farm, so, yeah. yeah. That's cool, and we'll, we'll come back to that a little bit later because yeah. I'd love, love to talk to you about your goals. Now, Emma, you were born and bred on a farm down in Reefton. Yep. But I think you said to me that farming wasn't on your radar. No, never. It was it's quite bizarre, actually. Like, I was well into it as a kid, you know. I was always out there on the farm and the calves. I don't think my parents ever pushed me into farming. They kind of just let me and my brothers follow our noses into what we wanted to do. And there was no pressure because mum and dad were farming that, kids have to go farming and I think because of that and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing whatsoever that they didn't push us to go and do something I'm actually quite thankful for it they just let us do what we felt we wanted to do and for me you know since I was a kid I wanted to be a police officer I wanted to help people I wanted to do my bit for the community and as I got older I was like I can make this into a reality so I went to uni did social sciences and social work graduated I did two years down in Dunedin, studying down in Dunedin, and then at the end of my second year was when I started to get quite sick. And then we sort of collectively, myself and my parents, we made the decision that I should probably move home, which was really, really heartbreaking. I moved into a flat, a little cottage on a farm close to home, but I was by myself, which in hindsight was a bad idea because... COVID, I was by myself. I wasn't in a good mental headspace and it just fueled the fire. It was hard. You know, I was isolated and 
we tried to follow the bubble rules. So, you know, mum would come around, but she'd stand outside in the driveway and we'd stand, we'd talk. I'd stand on the deck and she'd stand in the driveway and it just it wasn't the same as being able to go and give her a hug. So talk to us a bit about, you, you know, in terms of you getting sick. Go into a bit more detail about that. When I was 18 months, I was diagnosed with a condition called neurofibromatosis or NF type 1 and the short of it is my body doesn't have the ability to fight any sort of tumours that it grows, malignant or benign. I get them just under my skin, so they're just little lumps or internally, and often they won't get noticed until something actually happens to me. So when I was little, I broke my leg like three or four times because I had a tumour on my fibula, and I was in and out of hospital constantly, and I think that's where it started, where I had a real hard time trying to convince other people that you know, I'm not any less than these other kids because I have a cast or because I'm in the hospital. I can do just as much as the person standing on the start line next to me. And I just had this mindset of I need to prove myself to other people and I think that that was, was really difficult to deal with as a kid. And then when I was 17, I had a tumour on the base of my brain. So they did groundbreaking surgery to take it out but when I came out of surgery to be honest I looked like a bus had run over me and then it had backed over me again like I did not look anything like myself I would avoid a mirror at every cost and as being a 17 year old girl who was already a bit self-conscious about herself and what other people thought of her it rocked me to my core eh? my self-confidence and I got depressed I didn't want to leave the house didn't want to go to school, didn't want to talk to anyone. But my family, you know, they pulled me out of that. My mum forced me to go outside, <laughs> you know, and I'm, uh, I didn't like her for it then, but I'm so thankful for it now. And then in 2019, I got into a really bad relationship. And without going into the details, it was abusive basically. And that was sort of the catalyst for my eating disorder and my anxiety just amalgamating into this horrible illness that just knocked me over for years. And like one would fuel the other, you know, my anxiety would fuel my anorexia and my anorexia fueled my anxiety. And it just, it was just like World War Three was just in my head every waking moment. And it was so hard to even go to sleep because it was just alarm bells constantly. Those years that I was sick, I was lying to everyone that I was okay, that I had it under control. It's a mental illness and you can't just turn it off. It's all-consuming and it will ruin well, it ruined my life, ruined relationships, ruined my sport, my sporting career. It just ravaged me and I wish it was a matter of just someone says, just eat some more. Like, but it's not. It's a deep issue that takes a lot of healing and self-reflection to get through. Yeah, so how did you go from there into contract milking now <laughs> and, and, and clearly being in a, a much better place? I don't really think there was one defining moment. It was, it was definitely a slow burn. I met my partner, Jared, in 2020 and... I knew he was farming and then I started spending time around his farm and I'd just help him every now and then. I'd do a bit of milking. We'd talk about farming because 
I knew what he was complaining about. I understood it. And I did some vet tech work, debutting calves. And so I was surrounded by it. You know, my mum's a sheer milker. So it was there. And then I just had this this moment where I was like, maybe this could be something that I could do because I love diving headfirst into something that, I mean, I didn't know enough to go contract milking. Not at all, and I'm fine to admit that. And it just came up in conversation with me and Jared. I said, would you ever consider, like, working together? And he's like, yeah, possibly. And then we kind of just put it to bed for a little while, and then the end of the season where he was managing came, and we were like, should we do this? And he's like, I think we should. And we just we just took the plunge and we just decided to do it. You know, we'd had a lot of conversations about it and if we were in a good place in our relationship where we could do it because it's, as I've found out, it's a different dynamic than just a normal relationship, you know, when you got to work with them and then you got to come home to them. business partners now, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's, I honestly thought, I'm like, this is either going to, our relationship is going to blossom or it's going to crumble. And it's blossomed. It's amazing. We work together like a house on fire. We just work so well and there's not, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. Hmm. You know, got to be realistic, but it's being able to just get over that and keep moving. So Awesome. Yeah. Did you two meet, was he working down on the South Old or had you moved up here? No, so I'd moved up to the Waikato in 2012. So I moved up quite a little while ago. And that's another reason why I felt like I was never going to go farming because we moved up in 2012 to a poultry farm, of all things, and then I was just like, oh, that chapter's closed. I experienced and grew up on a dairy farm, but that part of my life is gone now. And then we just met through a a mutual friend. We just had a dinner, and I met one of his, got chatting to one of his friends, and, you know, oh, what do you do for work, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, oh, I work as like a relief milker on a dairy farm. And his eyes just like lit up and he's like, I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> I went and got Jared and then Jared and I started talking and the rest is history, really. So talk to us about the role that dairy farming has played in you getting well, because I know you said to me it's been a pretty core cool part of um, mm. your healing. Yes, it's been really important. Before I went farming, I had this period from when I graduated uni. I didn't have a job lined up. I didn't, because I was so sick, I just, my life was in pieces. You know, I was surprised that I graduated, that I managed to graduate uni. But I felt so lost, like I just did nothing that had any meaning to me. And very quickly, you know, farming, it felt like I just had, it just gave me my spark back I feel like I've got purpose now I've got I've got a reason to get up in the morning I've got cows sounds so silly but I've got cows that I need to milk I've got Jared who's relying on me I've got our worker who's also relying on me Jared's parents are relying on both of us to keep their business running and sort of just gave me a bit of a reality check like I've got I've got to be accountable here and it just gave me basically a kick up the butt you can't keep living your life with just floating through and it just is it's meaningful work to me I feel like I'm I'm giving back to the community because we feed people essentially you know we provide that food meat the cheese whatever for people and we get to look after the animals and I love cows (laughs) like I love our cows I love the calves I love that whole aspect of it and it it makes me so full and happy seeing these little calves that I rear, 
and then they come into the herd. It's just, for me, it's like a, it's an amazing feeling. It's There's not a lot of other jobs where you can do that. Yeah. I think you mentioned to me earlier that you remember milking and doing different tasks and just feeling like you didn't have the energy to even, yeah. you know, like needing to sit down because you were so tired, right? Yeah. When I was relief milking, I, again, I was so sick that I'd be washing the yard or cupping the cows or cleaning the rails and I'd just, I'd stand up and I'd just see stars. Like I just, I couldn't do more than the bare minimum I was required to do. Otherwise it would be too much. And when you're like that, you're a, you're not a good person because what you are eating is literally being used to just keep you alive. And when you're under eating, you turn into a really nasty person. I had a short, I have a pretty short fuse anyway, <laughs> admittedly, but when I was like that, the smallest thing would just send me into a tailspin and I wasn't a good person to be around. And I wouldn't be thinking about other things because my brain was just like food, 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 and that's all I would be thinking about. I couldn't see, you know, cows had mastitis, I'd miss it. If there were lame cows, I'd miss it. Something happened, but my brain couldn't register quick enough what was happening because I was starving myself, basically. And I think the change was I wanted, like you said, the cows, you know, I need to look after them. That's my job. I need to look after myself. I want to be able to do my job properly. I want to be able to give my best. And it was a very slow, slow process, and it wasn't linear, unfortunately. You know, it was up and down and up and down and two steps forward, one step back. But slowly I just increased what I was eating, and that fear just slowly started to go away. And I felt so – I was like, this is what it feels like to be – normal. I was like, oh, I feel so awesome. Like I get to the end of milking and I didn't feel like I needed to sit down. You know, I was like, right, what's the next thing we need to go and do? I've got energy to do it now. And I was just feeling that like life come back into me was awesome. awesome. And I think accepting that the hard thing about for me with my eating disorder was my partner's a big guy, right? He's huge. And sometimes I'd be really hungry and he wouldn't, but I wouldn't eat because he wouldn't. And it's just like, no, it doesn't matter what he's doing. I'm hungry. I'm going to have some food before I go to work because just listening to what my body needs is. And we've got scroggin, muesli bars, chocolate in the cow shed in the office now because it's so important. And I, I learned the hard way of what happens if you lose that. Yeah. So you said to me, because when you got in touch, you, yeah, you used those words. You said that dairy farming saved your life. Do, do you really mean that? I do. Because of I went into farming, I've just blossomed and I've I've got, you know, my life back. And everyone I see now who saw me when I was sick, they're just like, oh, we're just so, we're so proud of you. Mm. We can't believe how far you've come yeah. in such a short space yeah. of time. So Amazing. Hey, um. Emma, a lot of the farmers I've interviewed about mental health have talked about, you know, these sort of key pillars in their lives or, you know, these things they do Mm. to keep themselves running well. What are those pillars for you? I think initially the first one that comes to mind is my family. We're so close. My mum, my dad and my two younger brothers. Me and my mum are more like best friends than mother and daughter because she's sheer milking as well. You know, sometimes we'll catch up 
quite often actually we'll catch up and we'll just we'll just talk for hours about what's annoying us on the farm, life. I'm fortunate that I have that because I know some people don't and it's been so helpful. And I love to exercise. That's something that I've loved to do for my whole life, but only recently I found a healthy way to do it. As with my eating disorder, it just also turned into a really unhealthy relationship with exercise. But now I do it and I absolutely love it. I've found this really healthy medium and I've gotten really into uh, like Olympic lifting and I've just joined a club. So I guess that will be one of my pillars that helps me and it will, you know, socialize. I don't see a lot of people mm. when I'm farming. So, and I have a rowing machine as well and I love rowing. So I do a lot of reading and reading of all kinds and that is something that is just really nice and it's just a constant that I can do like you know exercise is something that I like to do as a constant but I can't do it all the time I get home I'm too tired have a bad day can't fit it in whatever that's fine but reading is something that and I've learned I'm a real nerd I like to just absorb knowledge anywhere I can so that's probably something in itself I guess is you know, I read, I listen to podcasts chronically, and that's something that keeps me well is just constantly stimulating my brain, learning new things. I find that that really helps me a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and I love cooking. Cool. And baking. I found a love for it after I came out of my eating disorder, and I love it, you know, and I'm sure Jared likes it too. With the- it's so cool how these, you know, these two things – food and exercise that were a real source of pain for you yeah. are now such a source of joy. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. it's. And if I had, you know, seen my – I couldn't see myself being like this three years ago. Mm. I had come to the point where I was like, this is just how I'm going to be forever. And then I'd convince myself that it was okay. Like that's how powerful it is, is that it can convince you that basically slowly killing yourself is okay, which is, is very scary. <laughs> Hey, um, when the stress really kicks in on the farm, as it does, <laughs> yeah. um, what, how do you cope in those moments or those days? I have a system that I like to use called the traffic light system. So I have green, orange, and red. And when I get the time, especially at a time like carving, where it's you've got a million things going on on the farm, at home, and I don't even have kids yet, so I can't imagine what it would be like to have children. But I have this system where I categorise things that are stressing me out as green, orange, or red. And red are things that I just can't control. No matter what I do, the weather is a perfect example of something that can stress you out, but you can't do anything about it. Orange is, you can do something about it, but it's not dire. You can do it, but you don't need to do it right now. And then green is like, I can deal with that straight away. You know, say if you're behind on the washing, if you need a, I'm just thinking about things at home that I get stressed about, the washing, you know, if I need to change the sheets or on the farm, say, oh, I need to go clean this or I need to go fix this. If it's something you can do in the now, then I'll go and do it and then I can cross it off and that's just one less thing for me to be stressed about because it all gets up in your head and then it all gets mixed up. But I find writing it down and laying it out is... It's just so much better and just seeing it 
in front of me as well makes it a lot easier. Yeah, cool. So you contract milking with Jared and, and Topity. What are your goals from here in terms of you know your business goals? Hopefully, within the next couple of years, we would look to buy the herd. And you know, I'm not sure what totally that would look like. You know, if we'd go 50-50 share milking, or if we'd go lower order. That's sort of something that we have to discuss with his parents. But that's definitely a a career goal. And then, you know, we sit and have conversations about what we do with a farm. Or we'd extend it out that way a little bit and bring on, you know, 50 more cows and make a bigger yard. And I was saying, I want to make in and out flowing calf sheds where the calves can come outside and go inside. So there's a lot, a lot in the works, which is so exciting for us because we're so young and we've got our whole careers ahead of us that, you know, we've been given this amazing opportunity to, get right into the industry so young as well. And, you know, I'm very aware that we're very lucky that we've been able to do that, which is awesome. Yeah, brilliant. And, and what about for you personally, Emma, like outside of farming? What, <laughs> what are some of your personal goals? Totally random, but I would love to do the Inca Trail in Peru. Because <laughs> uh, my mum, we grew up hiking everywhere, up mountains, around lakes, anywhere. And in 2019, we did Everest Base Camp. Oh, cool. It was amazing. And the next one on my list, which I'd like to do, either on my own or with Jared, if he wants to come, (laughs) is the Inca Trail in Peru. So that would be an awesome, awesome thing that I'd like to do. It's a funny question because it's, it's hard for me to answer because if you'd asked me that five years ago, I would have never thought that I would be here and done the things that I've done. You know, it just shows how quickly life can change and the drastic turns that it can make. But in saying that, I think what I would like to do personally is use those five years to do something, whether that be advocate for I'd like to get my story out there to as many people as I can, young, old, farming, non-farming, because if I can help or just inspire one, just one person to reach out for help or feel like destigmatize the attitudes around mental health, then it's all worth it to me. And I think especially for women, rural women, like we talked about with the, you know, the eating and the constantly moving Today's body standards is hard. You know, women have a lot of expectation on them and a lot of the times it's so unrealistic and unattainable and I fell victim to it and I got into a deep, deep hole with it. You know, I would compare myself to all these people and that just fueled fueled the fire and, you know, advocating for rural women. We work hard. You know, we need to fuel our bodies. We need to eat. Don't look at you know, what you see online, you know, you need to listen to your body, you need to fuel yourself because particularly, and I'm not taking anything away from men whatsoever, but woman, you know, you've got the house as well, you've got the farm, you've got everything and it's so easy to leave yourself behind and not look after yourself. It's hard, but try and prioritise yourself. Make sure you're looking after yourself because I know what it can do when you don't and it's really difficult when you shrink yourself and your worth to the number that's on a scale because 
And I don't want anyone to have to feel that way because it is a, it is a horrible feeling. You're so much more than a number on a scale. Great stuff. And lastly, Emma, you mentioned you're a big podcast listener and reader. Yes. I just wanted, I was just curious to know, are there any particular blogs or podcasts or books or anything that you've read that have helped you on your mental health journey or your farming journey, I should say? Yeah. So like I said before, I read a lot of different stuff and I listen to a lot of different stuff. But a book I read recently, actually, I wouldn't say it's specifically towards mental health, but it's more focused on the good in humanity. So often today we hear about negative this, negative that. There's everything's bad, bad, bad. But this book, it talked about the good in people and it was just so refreshing to read it. So it was called Humankind, A Hopeful History and I would recommend it. It's an, it's an awesome book and it just makes you realise that you know, people can be good and there's, there's good out there in a world that is so focused on the bad. And then there was a podcast that I like, and it's called Psychiatry and Psychotherapy, and it talks about the psychology behind things like alcoholism, social anxiety, OCD, and it really, really gets into it. And for anyone that's into that, I love that podcast. It's so good. Well, Emma, you are a champion. Thank you very, very much. I'm, That's all I'm right. stoked to get you on the podcast, and uh, thank you for uh, approaching us to do it. That's all right. And I just, I have this little thing that I like to say that I find really helpful, and it's, I want a life that's bigger than everybody who told me that I couldn't. I want to be remembered for what I did and not what I had, and I want a life that's bigger than the fears that I have. That's what I like to live by. A massive thank you to Emma Walton for bravely sharing her story with us today. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, let's hear from some farmers who sent in messages telling us how they keep themselves well and farming at their best, and that was to coincide with Mental Health Awareness Week. Just quickly, if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and you'll get notified when new episodes go live. Hi y'all, my name is Kelly Dickey and I am a share milker with my husband in Raglan in the North Island. In my experience, life can feel and be really tough at times. Confusing, hectic, mundane, whether it is out on the farm or in home life. So what I do to keep my mental health in good shape, or at least try to, is to take the time for myself to do something that I enjoy each day. This could be anything from eating my favourite meal, sitting down with a coffee, practicing guitar, exercising, catching up with a friend, whether they're in the farming industry or not. I make sure I allow that space for me each day. If you are experiencing some of these really tough emotions or anything else, I would 100% encourage reaching out to someone, whether it's a professional or a friend or a family member, anyone that will listen basically to what you're going through and offer some support can be really helpful. You're definitely not alone, so keep up the awesome work in our industry.